Shalom, and welcome to Rochelle Zell Stories, the podcast of Rochelle Zell Jewish High School. My name is Rabbi Zachary Silver, and I have the privilege of serving as the Rav Beit Sefer, the school rabbi of Rochelle Zell Jewish High School. Over the course of this podcast, we'll hear the stories of Rochelle Zell Jewish High School, speaking with students, teachers, parents, and alumni about their lives both inside and outside of our school building. So sign up for our podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to learning together. Today, we have the opportunity to sit down with Rabbi Josh Warshawski, Chicagoland Jewish High School, class of 2008. Josh is a musician, educator, and leader in the renaissance of American Jewish music. He tours the country, bringing his music to synagogues, camps, and schools, elevating the meaning that people find in the Jewish liturgy, and developing a love for tefillah itself. At the end of February, he led the school community in our Friday tefillah, featuring two of his original songs, Amei Ra and Amet, and in the process shared how we find meaning in the words of the Sidor. We hope you enjoyed this interview. We're here this morning with Rabbi Josh Warshawski, musician, songwriter, educator, davener extraordinaire, and distinguished alumnus of Chicagoland Jewish High School, class of 2008. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Great to be here. It is so wonderful to have you. It was wonderful to daven with you this morning, and we're looking forward to catching up a little bit on what you've been up to. Yeah. And I want to have a freeform conversation, and the first question I want to ask you is to tell us a little bit about your Jewish autobiography. Great. Well, first of all, thanks for so much for having me. It's really wonderful to, first of all, be back here at Rochelle Zell and get to chat with you. Um, so I grew up here in Chicago in Deerfield, like a, a mile away from where we currently sit. And uh, I went to uh, Mariah Congregation in Deerfield and Salman Schechter. And then I came here to Rochelle Zell. I grew up sort of in this conservative movement bubble. Um, and then I, I went to Camp Ramah for, very, for many years. This summer will be my 20th year at Camp Ramah in Wisconsin. Um, Got to keep going back. My goodness. <laughs> and uh, and then I, I went to Israel for a year and studied on the Nativ program. Then I went to JTS, the Jewish Theological Seminary, for uh, for college. They have a joint program with Columbia. And um, so my Jewish journey kept continuing on. The reason that I you know I went to Rochelle Zell because I, I loved studying text and studying Hebrew at Schechter, and I uh, convinced my parents that Rochelle Zell would be a good place for me to continue my education. And uh, they were a little bit hesitant at first. My mom had me still signed up at, at Deerfield High School through the first week of school. <laughs> and uh, the Deerfield Board of Education called and said, where's your son? I said, oh, well, he's going to the, the Jewish high school. So, But it all, it all ended up working out. And, um, and after I, I continued my studies at JTS, I wanted to keep studying as well. I was really inspired by, by music and text. I had a bunch of jobs in, in when I was at school at JTS. They sent out job opportunities in the area. And so I was working as a music teacher at a Hebrew school in New Jersey. And it was a really wonderful experience. And I learned a lot about sharing what I love about Judaism and about prayer with, with kids. And I started writing Jewish music. And that led me to a whole bunch of a variety of different Jewish music opportunities, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later. And um, I wanted to continue to study and, and teach and, and create, so I decided to go to rabbinical school. Uh, but first, I moved out to California to work as the artist in residence at a synagogue out there, Temple Beth Am. Uh, and I was working there for three years there at the synagogue, and they have a day school there, the Pressman Academy. And I loved working there and creating music and teaching and working with the clergy. And uh, then I continued my studies in rabbinical school at the Ziegler School out in Los Angeles. 
we're here at Rochelle's Isle, and I wanted to, to rewind to those four years, both in Morton Grove and also here uh, at 1095 Lake Cook. I know that you were the first graduating class <laughs> here at the new building, and I'm wondering if there are any lasting memories that are sticking with you as you're touring this building, and lasting memories of, of people you were with, classes that you had, teachers that you studied with, that are still impactful to you today as a rabbi, as a teacher. Yeah, I, I really I really loved my time at Rochelle's Al. It was a really wonderful experience. We started for three years, and I was in, in Morton Grove. I was the fourth graduating class, so uh, we started with a very small school in, in the, a hallway and, and two trailers, and um, it was really a fun place to, to go to school, and um, we would dive it in the sanctuary of the synagogue, and we would come together, and um, there were, one of the trailers had uh, a youth lounge, and so we would hang out there, and that was where our jazz band met, and I was in the jazz band with a bunch of my friends. Um, we had an amazing jazz band teacher, Mr. Forte, and uh, we learned a lot just getting to play and study with him. Um, I had a lot of really wonderful classes and uh, was really inspired by a lot of the teachers. Um, those were That was the first year I think um, Dr. Schorsch was there and she taught our um, our conservative Judaism class and uh, and also sort of connecting and really that was the first time that I also studied a little bit about what some of the other denominations and movements are about also and what, what Judaism is about as a whole. Um, and with, with Rabbi Goldberg, Rabbi Eli Goldberg was the, the Rav Beit Sefer at the time and I took I think three of the four years my Talmud classes were with, with Rabbi Goldberg and we had a small group. There were just six or seven of us studying together and it got to be a really nice chevra that we would, we sort of, we rotated every so often. Everyone got to be chevra to with everyone because there were only six of us and we got to learn with, with the whole group and I still remember the, the first things that we studied together. It was from, it was from Bracha, just like a few pages ago in Dafyomi of, of, uh, of, um, what you're supposed to do when you're praying on the road and if like a, a scorpion comes in and tries to bite you can you interrupt your prayer and um, whether tefillah requires intention and that's still something that that I talk about all the time we talked about it this morning what are the intentions that we can use when we're when we're engaging in tefillah so that was really impactful on me and uh, then I also had a teacher by Robin Fryer Bodzin who was my Bible and Talmud teacher um, and she really inspired me in the way that she taught and the way that she connected with us and I'm still very close to her to this day I see her every so often and I think I'm hopefully heading up to, to her synagogue in Toronto for a couple times over the next year and um, just trying to stay connected with people as well yeah beautiful clearly you spend your career <laughs> in tefillah and I'm wondering if you could just speak personally what is tefillah for you what does it mean whether whatever verb you use whether it be daven whether it be pray whether it mean it be Lee Palel, what is the prayer experience for you? Yeah, we, so we talked about this a little bit this morning in, in, in Tefillah with all the students, and there were some really, really wonderful answers for what, what Tefillah is supposed to, what's the endeavor supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be doing and engaging with? And um, there were a lot of very disparate answers, and Tefillah, we were talking about how it's trying to accomplish a whole lot at the same time. And I think for me, I, I sort of have to pick and choose which one of those things it's, it's doing for me, because it, it can't do all of the things at the same time. So one of them is is reflection, uh, allowing us to look inwardly and think about what are the things that I'm going to need to be able to encounter all the things that I'm going to encounter on my day. Tefillah readies us. It allows us to prepare for the the things that are going to happen in our lives. Um, it allows, for me, a moment of centering, a moment of introspection, and at the same time, um, it's looking outward. It's it's looking out into the world and seeing the divine in it, right? Just talking about awareness and noticing the powerful things that are happening, even the small things that are happening in our lives that, that could be marked with importance and significance. That I, We talked to the students, that's what I think the Judaism is all about. So it's it's connecting to the 
the to the greater world and noticing that you are not everything um, giving putting yourself a little bit in perspective and then also I think prayer for me is is a moment of connection with community I love getting to sing and pray in community and allow the words to be lifted off the page and expressed through these beautiful beautiful melodies both that are we've had for hundreds of years that we've had for a few years and that sort of we're, we're creating right now in this moment it's a really it's an amazing moment in the time for for Jewish music especially in America right now um, yeah so I definitely want to touch on the newness of Jewish music of which you're part of really what many are saying is a renaissance of Jewish music but also we're part of this inheritance and I'm wondering are there particular melodies particular Jewish music that go back generations or a generation that sit with you as this is Jewish music this is this is the the keystone upon which we were built yeah, I think it's a really it's a really hard balance. And when I go to communities uh, around the country and talk to them before Shabbat about what what prayer looks like and what melodies we're going to use over the course of that weekend, I'm trying to to strike a balance between things that are new and things that feel like home melodies, right? You you go to synagogue and generally you have expectations, and sometimes the experience lives up to those expectations and a lot of times it doesn't. But no matter what, you have these expectations of melodies that are in your head whether you think about it or not. And right? if you if you showed up on Yom Kippur and you didn't hear the the Chazan or the Shechzibor sing Avinu Malkeinu Chaneinu Vaneinu It was like, did you even show up? Like, did you even pray? Did you even fast that day? It's like, it doesn't even count. And uh, so there's melodies like that for me. And, and for Kabbalah Shabbat Kol especially. Kol Nidre might as well oh, have yeah, exactly. Sinai. Yeah. It, yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it definitely was. <laughs> I think that like the Ten Commandments were like sung in that melody. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, but I th- and Kabbalat Shabbat for me was also like that. You know, we sang it. At, we'd come together at camp, and you know, you know this experience too. We'd stand. We stand at the lake at, at Vermont, Wisconsin, and we we'd sing these melodies that you know. It's when I when I got to camp was around the time when sort of the the Karbach melodies were coming into camp, and so those are the melodies that for me stuck in my mind as the only melodies for those those psalms and if we tried to sing something else it's like you know i'm going home what's the point and so there's a there's a hard balance between that and sometimes for me that means that if i sort of stayed away from from writing new melodies for a lot of those prayers for a long time because i couldn't imagine myself singing those words in a different melody and then suddenly after many years i'll look at these words in a new way and i'll say oh now now i have to sing them in a new melody because now i'm understanding them in a different way than what i had sung before um, maybe we'll talk about that a little later with the melody that I'm, I'm going to share. Before we get there, I'm, I'm wondering if you can, is there a particular melody that had been connected to a prayer, a particular prayer, excuse me, that had had like an iconic melody that you actually wrote a new melody to and what that experience was like? I know that you've written, you've written clearly to, to liturgical parts of our Sidor that hadn't right. had a canon before. Yeah. Some of which we read, we did this morning. Amei Ra, Amet. Those were mumbled before, so value added 100%. Right. But then you have something like Lechadodi, right. which, of course, has many melodies. What are some of your reflections on yeah. writing music, writing songs to these liturgical parts that have so many different tunes? Yeah, it's a really interesting process. Um, well, as you mentioned, right, I, I, I like to try and write melodies for pieces of liturgy that are sort of buried in the middle of a paragraph or, or that I, I think that can be, if we sing them out, we'll, we'll open them up on the page in a different way that we'd never thought of before. And at the same time, we sang this morning, we sang Emmet Atari Shon. And when I was a kid, we would sing that at a USWA convention and it's like, Emmet, 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 Emmet,
California and they have like a different gear sub and there's like a different version of it where it's like slightly a different melody but it's basically the same thing it's like you know all these different branches of the same melody and uh, again it's this like really upbeat fun melody and then suddenly I thought about what those words were saying after many many years of singing this melody and thinking it was fun and cute and doing it with kids and then thinking about these words and these words are like these are some real words there's some really powerful stuff happening in in these words Um, and I realized that I, I didn't want to sing them with that melody anymore, and I, I wanted to be able to express them with an emotion that the music could help provide and help sort of set the scene and paint a picture of what these words are trying to say. So this melody that I wrote is a little—it's it's much more contemplative, um, but also lifts up in a, in a very different way and has this sort of arc upwards in a way that we're sort of reaching up and we're singing these words and trying to think about opening ourselves up to something that's greater than just what's inside. With that in mind, and think of an example, do you look first at the words? Do you look first at the music? Clearly, I imagine that there's some type of intersection between the two. Yeah. What's your process in thinking about writing music? So I'm not I'm not very good at having a writing process. I, I've talked about this a, a little bit before. There's you know, I, I wish that I had a, a, a more consistent writing process where I was like sitting and writing something every day or sitting and playing guitar for a little while and practicing with all these different things. So it's sort of just whenever I get a chance to, I'll take a look at different things. I have like a, a note on my phone that has all the different texts that I want to write melodies for. Right? So I'll be flipping through the studio sometimes where I'll be davening and I'll notice something that I hadn't noticed before. And so I'll make a note of that in the in my phone so I can think about it later or I'll be playing around on my guitar and 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 like sort of moving around with a melody and then try and think what what emotion is this melody what what have I just created and and what words can sort of impact that in a different way Um, so it sort of fluctuates between the two so give me an example of a song that of a piece of liturgy choose one example that stands out how did you write that particular song um well, the first one that came to mind was sort of the first one that that I wrote that was sort of brought me on this new trajectory of really thinking about about liturgy in a new way and thinking about how the music can express what the words are trying to say. And that's um, a melody that I wrote for the words Marabuma Asacha, um, which are these words that come right after Baruchu in the the morning weekday shacharit service. And there are these words that when I was a kid at camp, one of my counselors it was Jar Jonathan Adam Ross. He would shout the words out loud every time we got to them. He would sing Marabuma Asacha, I don't know, and then he would sort of mumble along the rest of it. But the, that's, that stuck with me for a very long time because he would say that those words are an exclamation. It's like, how amazing, how awesome are all of God's creations, each one of them created in wisdom, right? each with its own special purpose. And I, that stuck with me for a very long time since I was 10 years old. And um, I, was, is, I was a senior in college and I was on my way to Hebrew school. I was teaching at BJ in, uh, in New York, in Manhattan that year. And so I was on the subway on my way, but a, a few weeks later I was going to be heading to uh, Los Angeles to sort of try out at the synagogue I was working at. And I wanted to come up with like a really fun catchy melody for a for a prayer that I could share with the students at the school there and those were the words that that, that first came to me as something to write about and I wanted to be able to, to shout those words out the way that we had shouted them when I was a kid um, and shout them back and forth to each other and call out and think about what that could mean to, to elevate those words again for words that I had never heard in a melody before um, and so I have this voice memo on my phone where I'm like singing to myself on the subway and there's you can hear like the bells and whistles and people chattering and I'm just going and people are staring at me and and I showed up at at, uh, at at BJ and I and I went up to the the rabbinical student who was leading the class it was a guy named Brian Wexler who I was, I was just with actually this past weekend and he shared the story and reminded me of it and I said to him hey I want to try out this new melody that I just created um, 
And so that was the first time we shared it and taught it to these kids. It's like this is this could be a powerful way to engage in in prayer with these new melodies that sort of lift the words off the page. That's a beautiful example. Um, <laughs> Thanks. That's powerful. And now it's a little bit like Kol Nidre at Camp Rama. <laughs> you don't do Marabu. Did you even daven? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's it's a very powerful song, and it's also just kind of reflective of who you are as a musician as well, that this was a song which very much caught on. And I think also that your music has matured a lot over the years as well. Right. You can kind of feel the texture between your hands, where and that Marabu is is iconic for the yelling out, having fun, and a lot of your other music is that as well. And it's also, wow, this, this music really makes me think on its own terms, whether or not it was connected to words. Right. Um, and credit to you for for always growing and may that be an example for, for all of us oh, <laughs> um i am hoping that you can share a song with us and what are you going to share yeah well i'd love to I'd take a minute to get the guitar out but um i'm going to share a melody that i wrote for uh Yidid nefesh um which is another one of those pieces that it's the beginning of kabbalah shabbat it's sort of the poem that goes right before the service and um i had shied away from from writing a melody for that because i knew two melodies for it that were the only melodies that i could ever sing for yedid nefesh right there was the and then there was the um and those were the only two melodies and i just could never imagine myself singing something different um, and then when I was in rabbinical school, I, we spent a year in Israel. I was studying at the Conservative Yeshiva, and I was also um, playing. I was on the davening team, um, the Levites for a, a group called Navati La. It's an amazing renewal community in Jerusalem where they do this beautiful musical service once a month, and they have their own melodies for Yidid Nefesh, and I, they sort of opened up that that prayer for me in a totally new way. And then I began thinking about those words again, and uh, it's a those words. It's a love song, a very deep, powerful love song that. Um someone is singing to their lover but also it's some it's it's singing to god um as this like divine divine love song but it's the first thing that we sing when we walk into the sanctuary for kabbalah shabbat and usually when i arrive on friday to services right you just had a probably had a really long week and definitely a long day and you are hoping for shabbat and you're ready for shabbat but you're not ready to like really jump off the deep end of this like deep love song the first right off the bat um with these very powerful words, or even the, the second verse, Hadur Ziv Haolam, O glorious, radiant spark of the universe, Nashi Cholat Avatech, my soul is sick with longing for you. It's like this, like, like the dripping poetry. Um, and so I thought that maybe there needs to be some sort of preparation before we enter those words. So the melody that I wrote has this sort of nigun that goes around and readies you for this for this prayer. And we sing it when I go to communities and sing it. We, we sort of just sing that nigun until we feel ready as a community to move into the words. And we sort of feel that as a community until we've, we've sung that together to be ready. And then the, the verses come in together, but the last line of the verses brings back that same nigun melody so that you feel like there's this sort of refrain that's coming through and keeping you steady through these words that could sort of take you out and take you into something totally different. But hopefully the idea is that this this melody and this prayer will ready you for um, a conversation with the divine and an entrance into a, a restful and peaceful Shabbat. And now, for Josh Warshawski's never-before-been-published Yadid Nefesh. Yeah.
to our very first episode of Rochelle's Stories. We look forward to learning together soon. Tadarabah.